Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey guys, welcome to Giggly Squad, a place where we make fun of everything, but most importantly, ourselves. I'm Paige DeSorbo. I'm Hannah Burner. Welcome to the squad. Giggly Squad started on Summer House when we were giggling during an inappropriate time. But of course, we can't be managed. So we decided to start this podcast to continue giggling. We will make fun of pop culture news. We're watching. Fashion trends. Pep talks where we give advice. Mental health moments. And games and guests. Listen to Giggly Squad on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsack for another edition of the Big Show, the main show, the secret starter story of our fleet, the supremacy of our sequel trilogy. This is Force Center. Joseph Scrimshaw, Jennifer Landa here as well. Very happy to be here on the supremacy, which is ripped in half. Depends on which side you're on. Yeah, I think it'll be okay. Could be a good side. I think it's going to be okay. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different. There's some exposed levels, but you know, that's fine. Everything's on fire. It feels like the real world. I think it's it's perfect. perfect The world, the real world, (laughs) it's split in two and on fire. I won in episode nine, Jennifer. Here's my speculate irresponsibly that half of the supremacy is as was, Uh and the other half is just some weird, like, RV kind of taped together. Kylo kind of fixed it. They run out of money. Snoke's <laughs> gone. You know, it's like a half built oh, ship. Oh my yeah. goodness. I like that. I think that it should be stitched back together and then there should be a big <laughs> painting of Kylo's face on the outside so it matches up with his scar. Yeah. yeah. Airbrushed. Yeah. Yeah. Airbrushed supremacy. Airbrushed, Airbrushed supremacy. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, oh my we. gosh. We are here. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to dive into Most Wanted, which was most excellent, according to me at least, from Ray Carson, the young adult, which is that, that phrase we love, because what does that really mean? Uh, Star Wars story uh, ties into Solo. Didn't come out before. Should have come out before. What does it make you think about the movie now? All those great questions. We're going to dive into that in a bit. Catch up as well. But do want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Later on in the show, we'll have our official Force Center recommends for an audio book we want you to try. But as we always like to do, let's catch up just as friends, just as Star <laughs> Wars fans. Joseph, any Star Wars adventures over the last week? Uh, yeah, I've been playing Battlefront 2 some more. And they mm. added, uh, this is another question of should they have done this earlier? They added a bunch of new appearances for Han, Lando, and Chewie. Okay. Uh, so you can now be their characters from Solo. You can play with, uh, is Chewie with goggles? You can play oh, as okay. young. Han, you can play uh, Lando in his yellow outfit, 
and his uh, his moon in the Aussian belt. Yeah, uh, his super exotic with the ships on his shirt. Like, Love oh, it. Cool. Yeah, so it's really really fun to be uh, destroyed by that Lando. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give that chick Margaritaville Lando is my favorite. Margaritaville Lando, Lando is great, but yeah. So now the goal for me is to play as young Han and kill Darth Maul and feel like. Yeah, Han oh. can do it. He can take them all out. Oh, little little finish great. the fan fiction yeah, yourself. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's hard to do it, but I've done it a couple of times. Managed to slaughter them all mm. as Han, is young Han Solo. Absolutely. I, I, yeah, I, I am behind on playing the new uh, new additions to the game. You're reminding me of my homework. Mm. Yeah. Jennifer? I went to Disneyland on <laughs> Thursday. It was a lot of fun. It was extremely hot and extremely crowded. The summer, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, Disneyland crowd is in effect. But I'll tell you what, yeah. I was... Checking out the progress on Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. They are making good progress. Ooh. But I don't know. Are, are, is it going to be? A, there's got to be a separate entrance. Like Disney. Really? Cal- there has to be. You like, think, huh? Because if you, I mean, if I'm going by where it's supposed to be in the park, right? Yeah. It's by yeah. uh, Frontierland. Yeah. I, I mean, just to get to Fantasyland yeah. on that day was, was, a, was a, a trek. <laughs> Getting through all these you know, sweaty well, bodies. I mean, uh, if to they get were to, to fantasy land, <laughs> to get to, to fantasy land, <laughs> if they were to do that, that wouldn't that require separate ticket pricings and all those kind of stuff, right? You, right. you worked at the park, you know the inside now. I feel like you they know they the secret forthright tunnels underneath there. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I do, yeah. and I kind of want to work for them again just yeah. so I can be guaranteed admittance. <laughs> I think a lot of people are maybe uh, applying. Yeah, I think that you you can see Star Wars Land from the top of what is it, Big Thunder Mountain, right? Yes. yes. I think you should just be. They should change the ride so you're launched off of the top, yes. the peak of Big. Uh-huh. You just keep flying. Like you land it. there. It'd be kind of cool if there was like a monorail from that area yeah. over yeah. to Galaxy's Edge. Well, as somebody who's worked there forever, how do you feel about that? Because it's already uh, segmented between California Adventures mm-hmm. in, in actual Disneyland, and they even have different deals, different days, right? Mm-hmm. Where you can, if you have an annual pass, you can get into this side, but not this side and all that. Right. Different alcohol rules. Do you feel like it starts to uh, segment the experience too much if there are three you're kind of in the same place, but it's really three different places. I think it's actually for the best. I mm. really do. Okay. I mean, it kind of makes it more like Disney World in that sense, okay. I feel. Right. But like, I think that for crowd control and just to be able to handle all these people, <laughs> you have to. I think that's Because I don't want to have to go through, you know, the castle and Main mm-hmm. Street and all that mayhem just to get to my Millennium Falcon ride. Right. I sure. want to be able just to enter on that side. Right. Go right into the magic of Star I Wars I really Land. thought of it until you mentioned that. I, I just assumed that be going that route cutting mm. through big thunder mountain um i don't know i also as as we were talking about this i'm like what kind of disneyland person is joseph and you just answered that question you're very aware of the alcohol rules <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes i am i've only been there twice but i've got yeah. my, uh, my preferences yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. there uh, absolutely uh i had the uh, star wars adventure oh, where did it go here oh yeah, there we go i went to a dollar store because <laughs> i'm at that point in my life to get some supplies and they have it just said it's a picture of Darth Maul on a orangey yellowish uh, cover, and it just says Star Wars: Darkness Falls. <laughs> I would not what know is, that that's a kid's thing. Yeah, what is it? Yeah, right. I'm like, <laughs> it's, on it's the, a coloring book. It's yeah. On the, on the font, it says "Big Fun Book to Color," and it has has <laughs> Anakin in his pod racer gear. Okay, all nine years old, Anakin. But it's a pretty 
aggressive shot of Darth Maul. And inside, <laughs> it's just like, oh, here's one for Joseph. Darth Sidious, evil maze. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so gosh. cruel. That's his plans right it, there, yes, that it's, twisty maze. It's a coloring book for sure. We got we got Empire, Luke. Oh, uh, look at that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice and action-packed. A little anime there. Yeah. I love a coloring book one. called Darkness Falls. <laughs> like, just get out all of your black grands, kids. Yeah. It's uh, Darkness It's got falling. some trivia. It's got some trivia. Let me see if you guys can answer this question <laughs> oh, here. Boy. Ding in first. I'm a, seven. Yeah, I'm a senator representing Alderaan in the Imperial Senate. <laughs> D- uh, I am the twin sister of Luke Skywalker. Oh, well, that's Leia then, not yes. Bale. Is it, is it Leia or Bale? Yeah. Oh, Here's yeah. your choices. A, Queen Amidala. B, Jar Jar Binks. C, Princess Leia Organa. D, Watu. Oh, this is just talking down to children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. Kids know more than us. Like, yeah. <laughs> Watto. We yeah. might have Get to do a, a separate video. We'll actually maybe do a video at some point because they've got this Vader color. Look at this Vader. Oh, that Harley is. Davidson Wait, logo. <laughs> Speaking like a, of airbrush. That's yes. like a tattoo on the lower back. What I am showing uh, Joseph and Jennifer is exactly. It's a Sith stamp. It yeah. is like a Sith stamp. Indeed, it's got Vader's helmet in the middle and and out the side oh of his head God. are flames. <laughs> oh my God! This is a coloring book, so you think we'd be able to color? Uh, no, the ink is black. It is. It is no. just done for you. You can just add some flames because that's what Vader wants to be reminded of for sure. Just like Mustafar Castle. And then they uh, they got this sh- uh, shot of uh, Palpatine and Vader side by side in an awkward family photo. Oh yeah, with their lightsabers. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, awkward angles. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's right. But Palpatine just. Blade ignited. Just, just blade ignited. There. Just standing there. I do stuff. think that we should maybe just do a, a video of us coloring. I yeah. think that's what the Star Wars community needs. Yes. Talking about positivity. Oh just gosh. like no discussion even. There's just going to be classical music in the background. Yeah. And it will be us coloring. Like Bob Ross. I, I absolutely. So I picked that up. That was my Star Wars adventure. So, that's a great one. Oh, man. A lot to get into. And hey, we do what we know. And I dressed it on Spotlight Star Wars. We know there's been some issues with our hosting side. We appreciate you guys having patience and working through us. Things are starting to come back to normal with all of our locations where the podcast can be found uh, it's been it's been an adventure Joseph but we're going to get through it that's right <laughs> uh, it's frustrating there's only so much we can do so we uh, appreciate all of your patience and understanding yeah that is it that is it for that we'll update you look for messaging on a Facebook page or Twitter uh, on uh, any updates we have as it starts to get back to normal systems almost normal Jennifer we've got some news mm-hmm, we do we have some juicy tidbits this week <laughs> so we're going to consider this part of Rumor Patrol, but StarWarsNews.net is reporting some interesting news that came out of All-Star Comic-Con recently. Actor Tom Kane, who you might remember as the voice of Yoda from The Clone Wars, told a Star Wars podcaster that there are at least nine Star Wars films in various stages of development. Some individual character stories yet to be announced, but definitely not Yoda. So if we were to add up what we know, there's episode nine, there's Ryan Johnson who has his trilogy of films, there's Dan and Dave, which are at least working on two films. Mm -hmm. That brings us to about six. So Mm -hmm. the reason why I wanted to share this story is because I was like, oh my gosh, there's there's all these new films coming out. And then I went, (laughs) wait a minute. You know, yeah. how do, how do we know that Tom Kane is getting this information <laughs> and he's just telling some random Star yeah. Wars podcaster? Right. Like, when we see things like this, I, we have to be so careful to yeah. not put too much weight on it. Yeah, and this uh, Star Wars podcaster, who has been very clear about this in, in his yeah. follow-up tweets, mm. he just attended a panel at a convention. In Virginia, I believe, right? Where, oh. where Tom Kane, who is 
a voice actor, phenomenal voice actor. Yes. Also, Yalaren and the narrator yes. of yes. the Clone Wars, as well as other random things in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. Uh, he's just at a convention saying mm-hmm. some things that he heard. And, and to my understanding of how all of this works is a voice actor is probably privy to like, hey, they're talking about this. Who knows? What? Yeah. This is not This is not like the actual narrator in the Clone Wars going, <laughs> official news from the Holonet. <laughs> Nine films coming out soon yeah. in a galaxy near you. Yeah. That's not what's happening, and it's just it's headlines running away with themselves, right? Yeah, I absolutely think that's the case here. Now, not to say that Tom Kane, and like you said, Joseph, hasn't heard some things. Right. Um, I think there's some kind of it, it's it's weird what you know and who you know. We all, uh, th- all three of us, have had at various points, either now, past, and, and I'm sure present contact with people in Lucasfilm, people who worked on films. That, that's just kind of how the business works. You know, if you've been this town long enough, you know someone who was on something. Um, so that is valid sometimes just as much as uh, a voice actor guy who, you know, Tom Kane, maybe he's friends with George, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. I know, he, you know, George was so heavily involved in Clone Wars. Yes, this is where rumors both start. This is where fires get started and put out. But I don't think, and I think we're all agreement here, that... Uh, Good old Tom Kane at a Virginia Comic Con. Nothing against Virginia. Uh, just a small, unknown Comic Con would be like, Here, here's what I know. Yeah. And if for any reason listeners don't attend conventions a lot, yeah. pe- people get asked to come because they're involved in something cool. They yeah. come and they get peppered with questions. So yeah. I think these things also come out of like, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to say something that you, you want to hear. And I'm not saying this is what Tom Kane did, but I have certainly right. seen people do this at conventions. Again and again, it's like, I know you want to hear something interesting, so here, here's the thing I heard. I yeah. don't know. Mm. Here's the that's, scoop. That's yeah. the spirit of it. Nah. Yeah. And, and, when, and the worst panels are the ones like Game of Thrones when everyone's asking what's going to happen and everyone's up there with an NDA saying just <laughs> the show no starts in August. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I, I cornered my friend uh, James Baniak because uh, he played the villain droid in the season season two of Freemaker Adventures. Oh I was like, I'm going to ask him so yes. many questions and yeah. just to give a picture of, of what this can be like for some people, James is like, uh yeah, I came into a booth and yeah. I said, "What what happened? What is the show? What happened in it?" And yeah. I told James what his character did because he just went in <laughs> and did some work. Right. Like that's absolutely yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know that's the way it is. But it's it's fascinating. But the idea of movies being developed is it's that's true from a certain point of view, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Things are always constantly, you know, very fluid in the movie industry mm-hmm. and like they're constantly developing and, you know, maybe even doing treatments, but that doesn't yeah. mean anything. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And we're going to shift gears now. Woo. Uh, director Ron Howard shared a lot of new details about Solo, a Star Wars story to Empire Magazine. So here are some of the highlights. Uh, some of the most overtly comedic scenes in the film came from Ron Howard's doing, like when Chewie steps into the shower with Han <laughs> and the scene between L3 and Kira in the Falcon's cockpit. Right, right. It works. Uh, Jabba the Hutt was almost Crimson Dawn's leader, but the group decided it might be too comedic and feel like sequel baiting. Exploring the turmoil between the galaxy's criminal gangs is something that everybody in Lucasfilm feels is rich territory to explore in the movie universe. Ah, well, we'll see about that. Um, <laughs> and lastly, Ron Howard explained that in his mind, Kira knew she couldn't run off with Han, but she also knew that she needed to clean up the situation. He thinks that Kira hoped she could report into Maul and then disappeared. She was surprised that Maul trapped her to visit him on Dothmir, and now I finally feel like I have closure on mm. this ending. <laughs> I thought when he said that, when he said that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's what it is. Mm. She got trapped. 
she wanted to disappear. And yeah. so that, that gave me, um, yeah, that made me feel pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. A lot of great reveals in this. A lot of big reveals. Where's your mind go, Joseph? I, I'm happy to have some confirmation like that Kira narrative is yeah. the way that I've felt about it. Uh, right. So I'm happy to have some confirmation for that. It's just great to hear kind of Ron Howard talk more than anything. Mm. Yeah. He's just kind of got a fun attitude. Like there's that uh, section in there too about how they kept adding stuff to the Kessel Run because like, mm. this is fun. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, I like hearing his character perspective too of thinking about like that moment in the shower is not only funny, it feels so cleansing. Like, yeah. I mean, li- I, I know that's, I know it's, <laughs> but it, it, yeah, right. yeah. it feels so yeah. like they're both beginning those first steps towards freedom. And it feels like yep. in the movie too, like we're taking our first step into like having this adventure. Yeah. Mm. Getting away from the grime. There's a lot of the thing that there was some improv on set and that yes. you said all that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it's too easy, I guess, to always look at this Lord Miller versus Howard camp and battle. And one day that book will be written, I'm sure. But it's interesting that Ron, it, it reminds me of a little bit of like, there was a point in time, maybe in the nineties where like Paul McCartney was going around going and going, you know, I, I was actually very autistic too before John, I was the one who got, got John to come to art shows, you know, where it's like Lennon got all his credit for this stuff and Lord Miller get, you know, ah, oh, they're the comedy guys doing crazy. And Ron just comes in and, Ron's like, no, I'm a, I, I'm a director too. Yeah, I, yeah I, right. I, I, I can find I, characters. Some and, very famous comedy. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, yeah right. Let's do this. Uh, a lot of cool things. And as far as the Kira stuff, we're going to talk more about Kira yeah. here with this book, The Most Wanted. Yeah, to see it there. And I, and, and, uh, I know what you mean when you're saying, like, confirm what you feel. It, it number one, feels good. We're like, I think I got something that the creators put mm. down for yeah. me to pick up. But also just like, okay, that there's, there's some depth to this story and these stories, if you really take a moment to, to dig into them. Yeah. I like that a lot there as well. Mm-hmm. Good job, Ronnie. Well, in random Star Wars news, a Reddit user discovered that Lucasfilm has filed five trademarks related to Star Wars detours. Now, if you all remember, Star Wars detours was an animated comedy featuring Star Wars characters and was first put into development in 2009 and officially announced by Lucasfilm in 2010. The show was created by Seth Green and Matthew S- Sein, Sein, Senrich? Senrich? Uh, Senrich? I am not known for my great pronunciation of people's <laughs> last names. The guy's from Robot Chicken, and it was unfortunately shelved after Disney bought Lucasfilm. But mm. could these trademark filings be a sign that the project is back on? What do you guys think? Do you think that this actually might be good for the Disney streaming service? I yes. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, boy. Here's where my mind yeah, you goes go first. first. Here's where my mind goes first. Is yes, in a way, like it's fun. Like we love making fun of Star Wars. We love and and Detours was gonna have its own level of canon in the old Lucasfilm canon. Like they right. created like the sixth level, the Detours canon. Mm-hmm. Uh we have Freemakers, same kind of like outside the box, yeah. not canon, but have some fun. I think Star Wars needs that kind of humor we talk about always still being able to poke fun of star wars i just think it's a weird time (laughs) where everyone there's going to be too much rancor uh monster over (laughs) this stuff where it'll be like well wait like i think people are going to want to know too much where it fits in where instead of just enjoy it that's my take yeah yeah you know uh yeah i feel like uh i know that uh physical media is dying but this makes more sense to me as like a a blu-ray release if Mm -hmm. you want to track it down it's almost like a collector's item uh, than having it on the streaming because I feel like it um, 
on one hand duplicates the tone of Freemaker Adventures too much. Because mm. I there uh, attached to this article that you sent us, Jennifer. I there's the trailer for Detours, yes, which I hadn't watched before. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's really fascinating because some of it is in that same sweet spot of Freemaker Adventures, where like there's almost this buddy comedy between. Palpatine and Vader and Vader being a bit of a idiot and a pain in the ass and Palpatine being this kind of eccentric weirdo. So there's some similar beats, but then there's some jokes that are like more from 2014, more from a different era of Star Wars Mm -hmm. where like Dexter Jetster is like Leia comes into Dexter Jetster's um, diner and has a little bit of attitude, which is like that she's a real spoiled princess, which I don't know is like tonally where we're at. And then Mm -hmm. she sees a picture of Padme and Dexter makes all these jokes about who she who Padme is and they're a little derogatory toward Padme. Yep. And I feel like maybe it's not as uh, inclusive. It feels more mm-hmm. to me, and mm-hmm. I say this as a, a middle-aged white dude, it feels like middle-aged white dude Star Wars humor, Star Wars humor. from back in the day that's like wink, wink, nod, nod, the prequels right. are, aren't great. Right. 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 Here's our real pet jokes that we've had since 1983 <laughs> on the playground about certain things, which is like, yeah. hey, great. It yeah. looks hilarious and I would like to see it, but yeah. I feel in terms of release, it's, it's got some tonal issues that might make might more uh, rancor than necessary. Yeah, than, yeah. Ne- than necessary, yeah. Let it, uh, yeah. yeah. It's not just Dengar humor, right? Yeah, you know? although yeah. there's a Dengar joke. There's a Dengar joke. <laughs> there's yeah. always a Dengar there's joke. There's always a Dengar joke. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Hmm. I don't know. People on Reddit were not too thrilled. <laughs> they were like, I don't want to see this garbage. Are like, people <laughs> on Reddit wrong. ever thrilled? You know, there was a couple <laughs> people who were like, this looks kind of funny. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, by and large, everyone was like, no. Yeah. So. You get reported for being happy on Reddit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> right. Okay, well, our last story. Uh, we're going to look at what could have been. George mm-hmm. Lucas was a guest on James Cameron's show, Story of Science Fiction, and the interview is ripe with new insight. One shocking tidbit is George's idea for the sequel trilogy. The next three Star Wars films were, quote, going to get into a microbiotic world. But, you know, there's this world of creatures that operate differently than we do. I call them the wills. And the wills are the ones who actually control the universe. They feed off the force. End quote. So his idea behind this is similar to the Metachlorians in The Phantom Menace, which is that there is an ecosystem that shows that humans are not, quote unquote, the boss. Would either of you have liked to see this trilogy? <laughs> uh, I would be curious to see what it would have become. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think that the, this is our grain of salt episode. Yeah. Right. Um, that <laughs> exactly. Lucas, George Lucas says lots of things. And yeah. I, I'm all for uh, I, celebrating him because I think you should yeah. be celebrated. Uh, but he, he, this is in contrast to other things that have come out that he said the sequel trilogy was going to be about. Or right. remember there was the brouhaha because Mark Camel had said, this is what Lucas told me it was going to be. And yes, um, yeah, I, I love this idea. This is great, juicy. <laughs> yeah, George Lucas being a uh, uh, Northern California crystals yeah. '60s rebel hippie. It's great. It's who he is, and I yeah. would love to see. You know, it ties into some of the ideas that he did put blatantly into the Clone Wars, right? And right. I love the idea is the Force is sentient, mm-hmm. right? Um, but uh, I, yeah, I would love to have seen something like this. I don't know if we would have. I don't think. I, I think. Our, our good friend Chris Taylor, when that Mark Hamill thing came yeah. out, tweeted, "Well, at what when did George tell you this, Mark? Because that's the key to when you're talking to George yeah. about this. Now, this this James Cameron interview is fascinating stuff. The the, the 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 I've read a lot of it. The stuff he's saying about you know campaigning to get make the figures of Leia. She's right. amazing. All the really great stuff that's in there. Um, but yeah, as far as just as it pertains to George creating seven, eight, nine. 
I think a lot of things that we have now would have been in there. I think all that would have been there. But this idea of of going cosmic, yeah, it's what some of the most interesting stuff of Clone Wars, which comes from George's mind, the, the father, the son, mm. and the daughter. That's George sitting down going, here's how the Force works. Here's what's going on behind the scenes. So to see his take on it, to see it go a little Star Trek-y almost, yeah. weird, weird sci-fi, uh, I, I, fascinating yeah and i'll agree with a lot of commenters uh, on uh the old internet who are saying it's not explicit but these ideas are in the sequel trilogy yes, the first right. movie is literally called the force awakens yeah. as though the force is sentient we're having discussions about the force giving ray that power right specifically to match kylo so i think we are seeing some of these ideas and might see more in in episode nine Ooh. yeah absolutely of what yeah. the force is i but, yeah. Sorry, uh, I, and, and I, I said this uh, last week on, on Council, but but would you guys be interested, just like George R. R. Martin writes his history books, yeah. he goes off and writes two two volumes on the Targaryens, would you <laughs> want to see George Lucas write like the history of the Force, or the, the, a, 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 a volume one and two of how the Force works? I would, yes. yes, I would love that, because I think no matter how uh, how much you like or dislike different ideas that George Lucas has, that that rewrites his own ideas. To me, there's these core truths of Star Wars that never disappear. Like, even in this idea, that idea that, uh, you know, George Lucas is a little uh, anti-authority. Yeah. And reconceptualizing the Force, or conceptualizing, depending on your point of view, as Mm -hmm. the ultimate authority figure that, you know, Mm -hmm. because he has that that quote in there that, like, the sentient beings are like cars. Right. And the wills and the will of the force are kind of driving them. That starts to get to be like George turning on his own idea and going like, what if the humans stand up to the force and say, maybe we shouldn't just be doing your will. So as crazy as it sounds, it just all gets back to George Lucas kind of being a rebel and working through these ideas of who should have the power, who should have the control and when. Yeah. I yeah. just yeah, I was recently watching an interview with him from well, I think 2015 and he was talking about how he wants to make he wants to make his own movies. He doesn't want to do Star Wars stuff anymore obviously and like I just thought oh, I, I want to see these wacky wild ideas that George has cuz he is a true artist and he is a true genius. So I, I just I want to get more content from him. <laughs> I know he's building a museum. So you know he's got his time yeah, right, occupied. Right, right, right. But I think that he does have a lot of ideas and stories to tell and I hope that we get some at some point yeah i would love to hear it me love too it. george get right write <laughs> those books that's a great idea ken <laughs> so before we move on and get into our book review we want to recommend a book with our friends over at audible so joseph it would make sense that this week's recommendation is most wanted the book we're about to talk about because why not that seems logical yeah. uh so if you uh, are the kind of person who listens to our reviews because you don't have time to read or listen to the books and want to hear it great but uh if if not why don't you pause really quickly go to our link <laughs> download most wanted listen to it and then listen to the rest of our review sounds fair to me to download your free audiobook today go to audibletrial.com slash force center again that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audio book we are diving into most wanted by ray carson this is one of the another in a series of star wars ya novels and what's ya well you know i heard our friend alex damon get uh, the definition from claudia gray herself she's Ooh. like it's it's not written for necessarily young adults it's about young adults yeah. growing up and mm. it's that kind of concept and that's 
Uh, I was like, okay, that I can wrap my head around when I'm finally suggesting these books to people because that YA thing, it's yeah, it's silly, but it affects people's minds. Well, I mean, George Lucas great quote at the old celebration that all the Star Wars movies are for twelve year olds. This whole thing is YA. This whole thing <laughs> is YA. Excellent indeed. So this, along with some of the other great YA novels, Princess Leia, uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, Lost Stars, both by Claudia Gray. We've got Beth Revis's book uh, Rebel Rising. Some other ones I'm sure I'm missing. Joseph, yeah, the. Right? Uh, uh, the uh, the Ahsoka book and yes. uh, Legends of Luke Skywalker. Yep. That's right. I forgot mm. Legends of Luke Skywalker was yeah. technically YA. I mean, le- that one is technically, but yeah, but the, the rest are all uh, notable because they either are prominently all uh, women characters or Right or featured like yeah yeah uh, it definitely and this is this is no different in that sense this yeah. is Ray Carson really telling us a story of Kira first Han not second but Han uh, Han there with her you get some great insight into Kira we're gonna dive into that there before we do though let's just get our big reactions our big picture uh, take on this book Joseph yeah uh, so when I sat down I, I wanted to get my head straight too about Ray Carson. Right. What else she wrote? She wrote the R5-D4 story in from a certain point of view, mm-hmm. which is a great one. But in particular, because I know a lot of people haven't read that Canto Bite book, she wrote my favorite story. Mm-hmm. She wrote the one about the masseuse Lexo Suger mm. uh, and yes. his dealings with the uh, big mob boss. And unfortunately, you can see the scene now in the deleted scenes in the last chapter yes. that it got yeah. cut. But that's it's interesting because it has some rhythms with this book because it's mm-hmm. all about uh, this alien masseuse expert Lexo adopting this human orphan who just got dumped on Canto Bite. Right. And his whole story is just trying to protect this young human girl. So there's this real empathy and heart in Ray Carson's writing. Mm. There and is, a real yeah. understanding of the orphan themes in Star Wars. And even in R5-D4 stories, it's just like, I just want to be adopted by a family. <laughs> yeah. So like she's she's got the orphan's uh, perspective. Absolutely. It's and, great. And that really does the, the, the scum rats and the white worms and the lower levels of Corellia. Uh, yeah. Really explained really well here. And and the upper crust of Corellia is Absolutely. as well there. So overall, my my takeaway about the plot, it was a really good plot, one that made sense. It was this self-contained story, but the victory here was the going into the mind of Kira and, and the mind of Han, but also how Kira saw Han was where I really, really uh, just loved what, what Ray Carson did in this book. Uh, the plot, though, uh, worked for me, yeah. too, Joseph, there. I'm sure Absolutely. you were in the same, same boat. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like this is was a book about making the characters sing. Yeah. And I could uh, just see and hear uh, Alden and Amelia throughout this entire book. Uh, And I think it really developed what their characters are in the movie and made them richer, which all of these books are great at doing. Rebel Rising does that for Rogue One uh, Mm -hmm. in particular, I think. Uh, But I I think what I liked most is the... um, Well, the title Most Wanted felt a little generic uh, when when the book was announced. But then I was reading it, it's like, oh, this is... This is nice because it's it's obviously the criminal reference, but it's much more about these young characters trying to figure out what do I actually want? Want. Mm -hmm. Like, I know I can't really have things because I'm stuck. I'm stuck as a scrum rat. But like the the story, the plot is basically about like Han and Kira getting to see this slightly bigger world Mm -hmm. and realizing, well, maybe just being head of uh, the white worms. Yeah. Is not the most that I can want for. Maybe I can want companionship. Maybe I can want you know, elegance and luxury. Maybe I can want control. Maybe I can want uh, a friend or empathy, you know? And I I think that that comes across really, really well. Uh, There's a lot. There's some 
details here about Kira's character that I just love. Jennifer, yeah. bring, come, come on here, in here. What are your thoughts about this book right now? Well, disclaimer, I have not finished the book. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. I'm always mm-hmm. your reviewer that, you know, gets a little bit of, through it and then I share my thoughts. Yeah. Uh, but right now, I am really enjoying it. Uh, the plot is fun. The characters, like you're saying, I really could hear Alden's voice. I could hear Amelia Clark's voice. It was super specific to the way that they portrayed their characters on screen. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Like, mm-hmm. I just was really impressed by that. And I was especially impressed by Ray Carson's writing of Kira. I just was mm-hmm. like, oh, I love this character. And we'll talk about it later. But for me, I wish that I had read this before going into Solo. I just thought that there was so many great little insights into her what she's thinking and so overall i'm just really enjoying it yeah and that's a question i want to answer at the end of this after we put this all on the table because that's the question especially since catalyst is you get with every star big star wars book last shot included do i need to should i Mm -hmm. see it read it before uh hear it before you go um (laughs) take a look at the movie that's a big question but i think before we answer let's see what it actually covers there and there's a lot of things that we liked yeah uh, in the story yeah i feel like one of the things that it did best in terms of revealing the characters is making that contrast between Han and Kira mm. really explicit. Like the book starts subtle yes. with that. And then it gets to the point where Han and Kira are like, Oh wait, you're like this. And I'm like this. Yeah. And realizing that they eventually uh, compliment each other. I love this new quote for Han, his new motto, when in doubt, brazen it out. I love that. <laughs> yeah. It's just uh, hilarious. And uh, at one point Kira, uh, you know, when we're in her head says, you know, knowledge always made her feel better. Mm-hmm. And that's such a great, contrast and you get that contrast between her. she is the planning person he's the instincts guy and yeah. they come to really uh, appreciate and I, there's even that that exchange of dialogue at one point when they're in a bad jam and she's like well what should we do now improv improvised guy and he's like i don't know always has a plan girl <laughs> like in that i i think those characters are clear yeah. in the movie but i think this book makes them even more clear and i really liked i think a very subtle thing uh and we can talk about more is that that's in the film but is made explicit is that Kira likes nice things like that's a part of her character yeah and that this book goes out of its way to show that that not Han isn't just a slob because he's a slob but that um aesthetic that there's that great line of uh he's checking out this room that's been patched together to work and it's not pretty Mm -hmm. but it works yeah and it that under the hood is what's more important he says that's the Corellian way yeah and that gives such richness to Han's character that he's not just a bumbling slob he cares about how it works yeah mm. and that's a, that's another great contrast that makes their characters pop yeah the, the contrasts are are very you said at times are just very explicitly said and sometimes you pick it up and it ties so well into the into the movie and that could that could easily go wrong for me that could easily be like kira's over here han's over here and the book never goes into that realm there's funny little things yeah the the joke uh that about dustin crops being the worst oh, yes. job in the galaxy yeah. pops mm-hmm. up a few times and, and you see some things there's the uh, kira says i don't know we should walk casual at one point and all right so you see that han some of these things are going to be in han's life his his dream of you know just you just need one good person to go around the galaxy with and yeah i think he kind of thought it was kira at the time and turns out we know it's going to be someone else because yeah. solo is a love story um of han and chewie so there's a lot of that there and the plot was fast-paced we have talked about books being good reads and fast reads this this one had its own kind of um oh oh <laughs> ken's got a little bit of a, a hydration mm. issue but it's it's gonna be good oh boy uh yeah 
I'll, yeah, I'll, t- I'll take it up for a second and, and I will interpret what I think. I'm Ken not says. emotional. <laughs> Ken's weeping. That's how much he loved this book. No, I, I read this book in one sitting in about four hours. Wow, you're I a kept, fast reader. I was so, well, maybe four, five or six. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it was. I, I don't want to lie about my speed, my <laughs> speed reading. The point is I saved it because I so loved the character of Kira in the movie. I really wanted to appreciate this book and not like read it a chapter at a time at uh, bedtime. I think you're right. I yeah. sat down and it just, it, the plot is great it flies by it's interesting the plot reveals some things about the state of the galaxy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's mostly there so these characters can have the experiences that set them off on their journey one of the biggest surprises to me in the plot was that it starts with them not really knowing each other not really liking each other yes and needing to have some adventure that's much outside the white worms in order to find each other mm-hmm. yeah i'm back kids um <laughs> don't have uh, like whole grain oatmeal before you record uh, <laughs> oh, no. yeah, suddenly you're choking on it grain of salt and grain of oatmeal yeah. episode today absolutely Whew. um yeah um yeah I, i'm jumping back in here i apologize um there there's go can i go back to han for a second yeah I, please you, yeah what i loved about han could easily be written off in this uh, new era of, story, of Disney Lucasfilm storytelling, it's just kind of like Ophi dude, right? Because there's, yeah. there's there's parts of him that are like I love the, the that Kira, even in the beginning of the of the solo movie, is like don't go. Down, that's not going to work. We're going right. to get trapped. The speeder's going to get trapped. Oh, I, I told you we're going to be trapped. And and, this, and 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 through the whole movie, she's almost telling Han the answers, and he's like, ah, I got it, I got it. <laughs> you could write Han off in a bad way. Like he's just this and uh, rewrite this character we've loved for forty years as just this doofus man's man type of character. And I thought here through Kira's eyes, we saw a lot of Han throughout this story that um, gave so much heart to Han. Yeah. And the the core of Solo is he's a good guy, and this is where Kira learned it. Yeah. And I thought that was one of my favorite parts. Yeah. In that the, that it, well, and we'll talk more about it, but that that thinking with your gut is not always a bad thing. Like right. we get a lot of comedy in it from Han in the movies, but it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes he's mm-hmm. right to, mm-hmm. to lead with his gut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the other things that was huge to me in this book is that it's Han and Kira and a third character. So for Han, yes. it does have a little bit of that rhythm too of like, well, find your one person. But also, like, boy, there's kind of a magic of having having three people, like uh-huh. Han, Luke, and Leia. Right. Uh, so we had the Rodian Tesulo, Tesulo. I think Tesulo, Tesolo, Tesolo, Tesulo. Well, that was. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But uh, I, the f- great, great Star Wars world building stuff of mm-hmm. he is from Coruscant, ended up through tragedy, mm-hmm. the White Worm on Corellia, and is vaguely aware of the Force, but really doesn't get it. Yeah, and it provided so many uh, great details that I love in this books where uh, by nature we the readers know so much more than the characters do mm-hmm. yeah. and it makes those uh, moments pop and it also uh, it's great addressing of the general like Clone Wars happened 19 years ago and everyone forgot the Jedi right right and this reminds you that yes the uh, the power of propaganda from a tyrannical government will make you forget something in two minutes right it's got that great little scene where there's a hidden museum on Coruscant with a guy yeah. with a robe like come in here look at the relics and you'll find out a little bit about what the force is yep. and he read it a little bit and he wanted to read more but then the empire shut it down and nobody will talk about it uh, yeah. yeah and I think one of my very very favorite lines from the entire book yep. is uh, the, when we eventually meet the sort of big bad the, the MacGuffin the, the, yeah, moving yeah, character, yeah, the, the engineer, engineer uh, asks, and Han is 
doesn't even quite understand what a Jedi is, doesn't yeah. understand what the Force is, and uh, she says, well, they all wiped out, got wiped out, and Han said, well, did they did they put up a good fight? And she says, not really. Not really. What a great judgment from Engineer <laughs> Jenner that, like, no. Nope. Uh, She's agreeing with Luke. They let themselves be destroyed the height of their power. <laughs> not really. They didn't put up a good really. fight at all. Yeah, it, when 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 Tesulo, I'll, I'll say Tesulo, what are you going to say? Well, it, I, it's T-S-U-U-L-O, right? Tesulo, yeah. Tesulo. Yeah. It's it's some work to say because you got to do the t- Yeah, or maybe the T's the silent and solo, solo, the Rodian. No, the their, Rodian. their friend yeah. T. When he starts really <laughs> going, yeah, when he starts really going into the force, like not not it's not a big giant theme from him, but he, he's very religious. You know, he's yeah. one of the like Han's like, oh, that's my religious buddy. I was like a little worried because I was like, oh, no, like could uh are we gonna get too, han too exposed to the force there yeah mm. and then it was handled in a way where it made sense where i was like oh this number one makes sense it's someone especially on coruscant born and raised on coruscant would have known about the jedi known about the force not fully understand it like yeah. you said and that han himself could be exposed to it because in new hope i think we have this idea that's carried on that like in a new hope han's like what are you talking about? That uh, that none of hokey religion. Get it out of my face! Like he's never really heard of it before. Some people could misinterpret it as that. Yeah, but really, that's not the case. Han's just like, I know what you're talking about, and right. it don't work. I think I've always taken that conversation yeah. in A New Hope is that he's had that conversation a bunch. Yes, yes. like Obi Wan is like, wow, I met a zealot. <laughs> he's he's actually training the kid and filling him up with these dangerous lies. Yes, but I feel like he's been around the galaxy. He's had this argument. Yeah, you know, in bars, like there's no such thing as the force. Yeah. But I like that uh, uh, big T to Sulo. <laughs> uh, I, I think the book offers you, like, is he maybe a little force sensitive? We don't. It, I it, thought he was. It, it lets yeah. you think that if you yeah. want, um, and we of course have his. Uh, this is obviously a spoilers review. So yes, stop yes. listening now yeah. if you don't want to be fully spoiled. He has his his tragic death, where he is feeling bad that maybe. Because he keeps going, hey, the force will help me. The force will help me, and he gets through things. Yeah, uh, and yeah. then he he's like, maybe the force didn't help me at all. And you know, Kira, learning from Han's kindness, lie, maybe lies to him, but from her perspective, just tells him what he needs to hear so he can die happy. Yeah. That's 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 a nice, rich moment. It was one of the sadder deaths in Star Wars: New Canon. Mm. I will did, say. Now, did you? This is what hit me like a ton yeah. of bricks, yeah. uh, Ken and yeah. Jennifer. They, I, this this moment. Uh, so to Sulo gets shot. In the gut, mm-hmm. and Han talks about the the blood in the burning smell. Mm-hmm. In my mind, just went to sorry about the mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in a way, it made Han's shooting of Greedo like, did he think about his old buddy <laughs> Big T when yeah. he shot Greedo in the same place that Casulo <laughs> got shot? I'm laughing because it's true. I thought a lot about. It. I was like, yeah. I didn't pick up until about halfway through the book. I, I I knew Big T as we're calling him was a Rodian. I knew that. Yeah. Because he's described, you know, right away. But halfway through the book, I was like, "Oh my gosh, Greedo!" Yeah, I didn't think. I didn't even think about it. <laughs> right. I just was like, "Oh, his friends are rodian Because you know, so many aliens are in Star Wars books, yeah. and you know, you're just like, "Okay, cool." And then all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> Poor that's Han. how far Han has fallen." Oh, now just shooting Rodian. <laughs> oh. Greedo, kind of. Uh, we, yeah, we don't need to relitigate this old debate, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Um, Kira, can we? Uh, yeah, let's, let's yeah. I, I, this is this is a this is a different uh, different episode here today. We're jumping around. Um, there's so much stuff here with Kira and seeing it 
uh, written through Ray Carson's eyes, Jennifer, that mm-hmm. that it is important. I, it, not that the castings didn't write Kira, you know, they didn't write her perfect, but they didn't write her bad. I think it, I want to make it clear. I really believe uh, uh, male writers can write female characters. George R. R. Martin's good case at times there, too. But uh, it isn't like Jack Nicholson from As Good As It Gets. Um, <laughs> but... This was more than ever when I when I hear you, particularly Jennifer, say I want a you know a, f- a female storyteller in Star Wars on the big screen. We get him a lot of novels. This was a great example of it because I understood Kira like I had never understood her before yep. through three viewings of that movie because of seeing things through her perspective. I just that's what really took me aback was first of all that this story is Kira centered. Mm-hmm. From her perspective, viewing the other characters, and I, I had a moment where I was like, "Oh, this, this is this is weird. I'm not used to this. It feels good. <laughs> I like it. We got a richness, and I'm only you know so far into it. But there's a richness and a depth to her character that you know, Millie Clark was great. I think the Kazans mm. were great, but this is just really." There's just something that makes her more of an iconic character. Mm-hmm. Getting this, getting, getting to see what she's thinking, feeling underestimated, mm-hmm. and, and knowing that people are going to underestimate her, and using that to her advantage. Mm-hmm. That is something that is so relatable for me as a woman. And there's just so many great moments like that. We get the moment where she's trying on the looking at the red shirt. Yeah, <gasps> I was, yeah, she, you know, I got my action on. figure uh, 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 on my table uh, next to where I was reading. It was great to just look over and go, "That's the action figure." That's the action. Oh so, yeah. man, like the symbolism of that—that that a shirt could be could represent so much—and mm-hmm. that is a testament to Ray Carson's writing. You know, I saw a tweet recently about you know, hey, when you're when you're writing, uh, you know quote badass female characters don't forget they occasionally like to wear a nice dress too like like yeah, <laughs> right. like there's this 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 all or nothing mentality sometimes mm-hmm. back out the Linda Hamilton uh, T2 kind of they, you must be in BDU pants and 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 I love that moment because it ties to to the, the cape scene. scene, exactly, where she did, can celebrate that side of her personality. This, mm-hmm. this, uh, you know, loves wearing a good dress, uh, very feminine, celebrating her femininity by also being in this tough world. It's like it's not you don't have to separate it. And there. it's also right. just that she likes nice things because in the yeah. movie too, when she gets to the speeder, she's like, "Oh, M sixty eight, nice." Mm-hmm. She knows right. which speeder is which yeah, yeah, yeah. and which one is cool. Right. Yes, yeah. uh, absolutely. So it adds. So it really for me it was enlightening for a lot of ways because the way. The way she viewed Han, there's a moment early, kind of early in the book. They're on their they're on the run where she realizes Han is seeing her as a person first and complimenting her skills mm-hmm. and seeing all of her. And that's the, maybe the first time she's been seen in that way. And I'm sure in this underworld, there's no doubt the, the character, Amelia Clark herself, but the character of Kira is pretty. In fact, Han even has a thought later on in the book about someone, uh, I forget which character, overlooking Kira because she's pretty as if pretty meant you couldn't also be all these other things. All these yeah. other things. And Han has that realization when he sees someone do it to Kira. So there's a great moment where, where she kind of looks at Han and he's like, he sees he sees who I am uh, and doesn't see what other people might see. And I thought it was a great test. It was great to see it through her eyes and it's great to see that's where some of Han's goodness comes from, uh, his well-roundedness yeah. as, as a character and as a person. I thought it was powerful stuff from yeah. Ray Carson yeah. as a writer. Yeah. yeah. This book was just exactly what I wanted um, because at this point, Kira is one of my favorite characters right now. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I really, I think there are, obviously there have to be some missteps in the movie because the character that I see uh, other people don't see. 
So there, there's something going on there. Mm-hmm. But this book just fleshed out exactly who I thought she was in a really, really great way. And I think it, it I think if you read this book and you yep. go watch Solo, there's not going to be any disconnect. Of, no. That doesn't track between that. I think it really supports what's in the film. And I think maybe these truths, of what I think are truths, mm-hmm. everybody's got uh, there from a certain point of view, what I think is true about her character, if you read this book, if you see those, you can go and, and get that richness from the film because I think all those beats are there. Mm-hmm. It, it sets up things that I think are consistent about her character and it also shows the journey that she's gone on mm-hmm. to get where she is. In particular, a couple of things in the book that I love is that um, she has hope. Mm-hmm. And just like in that first scene in the movie, she's excited when she leaves with Han. And yeah. she's the one who has been telling him, because he says, he says to her, you've always said we'll get out of here. Yeah. So she's the one who's carrying this torch of hope. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when she's getting excited when they're speeding away in the M68 that no one will ever control us or tell us what to do again. Right. But then she's also practical because she's in line saying we have to get somewhere where the Empire can't find us, where we're not going to be sold to Crimson Dawn. Right. Uh, but she's also has in her character, you see in this book, that she's got that hope, but also really practical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And really needs to figure out what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, I think what's open for great discussion and interpretation in the movie is how much uh, does she still have hope or how much does she truly believe everybody serves somebody and I can maybe rise to the top, but no matter what, I'll still be. Her uh, her aspirations are both clear and mixed in a wonderful way. Yeah. Where there's these aspirations are very laid out, Jennifer. I want power. I want I want a family to, in the sense of the white worms kind of are this de facto family. The stuff in her flop house is interesting. She has this little secret house that she goes to and just kind of mm. lives. But also... She, I think she loves feeling this uh, in control. There's a couple moments, especially later with the engineer, where it's just like, she's getting, she's like, oh, I'm, I'm good at this. Yeah. It's like Tyrion Lannister going, oh, I can run a country. It, <laughs> and, and so her aspirations start growing, which, which tie into a lot of the Crimson Dawn stuff, where, you know, there's a little bit of she feels she can't get out and she has to be served. Uh, but, but she also, in this book, she talk, they talk about double crosses and she likes the idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she knows that that is it, yeah. good strategy. And she has a, uh, she talks about, uh, you know, at one point the engineer gives them some equipment to get some stuff done. Yeah. And she talks about how much easier it is to get things done when you have power and influence and yes. access. And to me, that's uh, that's what's great about this character and what's great about her story is as she clearly, I think the film implies pretty strongly, gets sold to Crimson Dawn. Yes. And then she makes the best of it. She gets herself nice things. She gets herself more power. But more than anything, we see that play out of, like, if you have power, you can control how things go. And right now, I think I can double-cross Dryden and let Han be a good guy. Let him run away with the coaxium. Let him give it to orphans because I have power, influence, yeah. and access. Yeah, and that that's powerful to me. I mean, in a reminder of real world things of mm-hmm. the, the people who have those things get to make the decisions. Yeah, and they you get to make good or bad decisions when you have that kind of power. Yeah, it was it, it was it really tied well into the end of the movie yes. for me. You see it laid out here. Yeah, you see where it comes from. You see it. It's all it does. Uh, you know, maybe the movie is somewhat not clear. Or, you know, so I don't. We don't get into a review of the movie, but I think reading this book, I'm like, I see it all. I see this road in front of me. Yeah, and it looks so good. The, it, oh, sorry, I'm go sorry. Ahead. No, no, you go ahead, Jennifer. I just love how even from the moment where she goes on this mission, you know, from Lady Proxima, and how excited she is. She's taking in the world, trying not to be distracted by it, but right. she likes it. Yeah, she likes it. She's been given this responsibility, and when she says her bid, she's proud that she finally gets to do it. Just these, this yeah. so much 
specificity that I just I really enjoy and now I want to go back and watch Solo yeah. for sure. How tactical she is in that scene when she gets out of trouble when she realizes like I've been put in an impossible and a stupid situation and right. this is the these are the ways I can maybe escape and oh, yeah. It's so great. Um towards the end I think there's some really great stuff about Kira is that uh she can't quite pinpoint immediately why the engineer's offer isn't isn't isn't, isn't right. Isn't right. Isn't and it's, sitting right. Yeah. And it's basically, it, it becomes clear to her that because she keeps referring to this Wookiee as an asset. Yes. And she realizes this, Rude. the engineer is not a good person. I'll have this power. I'll have this influence and this access. So maybe that would be okay. But, uh, my mind's kind of been open to Han's kindness. So you have that side of it. And then a couple times when violent things happen, when she's getting closer to Han, she says better them than us. Right. And Han's, doesn't quite agree like or doesn't yeah. know how to take it you know a yeah. big part of the story is her noticing Han's kindness to everyone yeah but that's a great that also supports everything in the movie where she says like you wouldn't look at me the same way mm-hmm. because she knows she has that self of her part of herself that mm. the cruelty of her upbringing and her situation and her poverty did make her a little bit more of a, a, a rough you know a sharp diamond mm. of like yeah. well I don't want anybody to die but if them or me I'll let them die and Han would maybe try to find some crazy third way. That, that and her her fear that that's who Han is, and if Han knew that she just killed people because she had to, that yeah. Han wouldn't exactly wouldn't I, do that. There, that moment is key in the movie that uh, we even talked about it because it could mean at times, especially after first view, and you think it could mean something in the way way of uh, you know sexual situations and yeah, stuff like that. And I that, just that, think it's violence. And I yeah. think I think up on my third view and finally seeing it, I was like with with this kind of thought process in my head, I was like, no, I think she's ashamed of what she had to do. So where does that come from? Well, this 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 specifically comes from here several times towards the end. Han is very much about save people first. We talk about he's maybe not about causes, but he's definitely about people. Yeah, that's one of his co- yeah. that's one of his core things and how he. You know, goes on to treat Chewbacca is because he here you see him not liking a Wookiee treated as an asset, not liking that. He even likes the droids. Yeah. Uh, the droid Gotra, we're going to talk, uh, the Gatra, uh, we're going to talk about that here in a bit too. So, yes, it makes perfect sense to me that if Kira goes on and kills and maybe doesn't have as many problems with it or feels that she had to, and this, this guy she saw who the last time, you know, they're kissing on Corellia and trying to escape together was this good guy who doesn't go around killing people and then also later on a new hope Han has changed and yeah. has now become this this rough-edged uh, yeah, scoundrel he learns that lesson at the end of solo yeah. like i feel like yeah. the, that that arc in the movie is completed when she kills dryden and immediately turns to han and says i had to I had and to. he's like he's like the well yeah, yeah of course and she's still got this fear that you're still that guy yeah who doesn't realize this needs to be done and moments later it's exactly, exactly. what he does to beckett better him than me yeah mm. absolutely yeah so it's this great sort of beautiful tragic these people are put in these rough circumstances trying to develop philosophies of life that they can believe in and can bring them close to people and they're just kind of missing. We always talk about the state of the galaxy and this is another great chapter in the state of the galaxy, right? Oh, yeah. This is what the Empire's doing, the crushing down. And and what I was fascinated in this book, Jennifer touches on, it goes into the rich parts of Corellia. The gated communities. There's even a toll booth, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And how it does exist because a lot of people coming out of Solo thought, well, I thought the legend EU, I thought Corellia is more. It's a, it's a, you know, center rim. You know, it's a, it's a core rim planet. Yeah. So it has, you know, money. It has influence. But you, know, you can see what the Empire's done is coming here and 
really pressed down hard of the industrial section created this this disparity. Right. Yeah. Um, Hunger Games, like in a way, you right? Know, we can go to that sci-fi trope, but uh, yeah. So I thought the the start state of the galaxy is on full display here. Yeah, and in particular that great passage just about like, oh well, people used to make these great ships; they used to be proud, and the uh, companies used to pay them a living wage, and then the empire's like, hey, nice ship building planet you got here. Uh, mm-hmm. You're going to work for us now, and we're not going to pay you. Hmm. Yeah. And what? If, uh, and then, of course, they're going to turn to crime. Right. Yeah. And right. just like, yeah, that's a all makes perfect, all makes horrible perfect. sense. <laughs> and I love how Ray Carson. I mean, I, I could smell the smells. Yeah. Of when oh, Kurt yeah. was going through the different tunnels mm-hmm. and and the grime and the sludge and all. She was so descriptive, and it just it felt like what is it forty as they say or whatnot. I could feel it. I could smell yeah. it. Uh, I could see it. Beautifully written. There yeah. was two things she did really well in this book. The, the sights and smells. Uh, <laughs> and then not since, again, I'm going to say it again, I've talked too much about George R. R. Martin. There's, so, there's some of the best Star Wars food descriptions. Yes. Yeah. In, yeah. In, in, in this book. And showers. Yeah. Oh. Showers, the, the great food, the yeah. bad food. Uh, with the smells, there's this great scene where they've been out for a while. And then they they all all three of them smell something horrible, and I believe it's Kira being the the, mm. the thinker who realizes it's that's not a horrible smell. It's just sewage. We've just been away from it mm. for like a oh, day yeah. and a half, mm. and our noses have acclimated. And Hans like we smell that bad all the time. <laughs> like that's such a great visceral yeah. detail. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Uh, to just be living in that filth all the time, and the second you have a break from it for a minute, mm. you realize how horrible how horrible it is Mm. then we have these droid syndicates uh, or excuse me crime syndicates and we got the droids we got the caldana we got uh uh, the white worms you know we know the huts and the crimson dawn are out there there we're looking at this uh you know 11 wants to hear more of these underworld stories here but let's focus a little bit on on this droid i say gatra do you say yeah that's what i said droid Droid gatra gatra gotcha gatra uh, the character Tool, kind of reminiscent of a EU a solo character, right? The the droid that used to be around with him that had kind of like uh, oh yeah the, the supplies in the center there, you know? He's, yeah, he's a tool droid. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they go into the thing stuff we're familiar now with uh, L three, the droid equality. A lot of that stuff is going on there, full display. Uh, I love though diving into this this criminal world because you realize there could be a nice war and story to tell. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, there could be, uh, and even in that uh, that Ron Howard interview. That Jennifer mm-hmm. was sharing earlier, he talks about how the the five crime syndicates are a big deal, and maybe there'll be more of that yeah. in these standalone movies that we might not ever get. Uh, yeah, and, and, and just it was interesting how how much mm-hmm. all a lot of Star Wars storytelling, but now kind of all of the so, major solo storytelling features some amount of droid equality. It yeah, so. <laughs> So weird to me. I am. I'm kind of a jerk. If my PS4 starts talking to me, I'm going to hit it with a hammer. I, 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 I find that I don't. I love droids, but I've even said on. I don't collect a lot of droids. You notice, Michael? I don't have a lot of C3PO's and R2D2s. Yeah, you don't. I don't gonk droids. I have a chopper, which was a you know a fan created one with the cape. I have to question myself now about what I feel about droids. This is your greatest Han Solo moment yeah. where you yeah. are playing a character and you are lying to yourself. You, I'm lying. You're playing the tough guy loner with the, hitting yeah. your PS4 with a hammer. Here's the thing. If your PS4 just in, I think, a, a mm-hmm. neutral robot voice was sort of like, I will make the decisions about when you play the video game, sure. 
But if it had personality, <laughs> if it talked to you the way Tool did, yeah, Tool's this old, broken down, mm-hmm. you know, loading his his himself up with a uh, trying to understand Earth and or human, human idioms, emotion, not yeah. Earth, yeah. Uh, human idioms. And mm-hmm. if your PS4 was suddenly like Ken, mm-hmm. I-, I get tired when you play for too long, and it hurts me. <laughs> Can you not play at two? Could you stop at one a.m. until two a.m.? You, there's no way that you would just if it was emoting at you and uh-huh. you believe the emotions uh-huh. were true. There's no way you just hit it with a hammer, right? I, 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 I hope, I hope I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, if, <laughs> this if conversation. My PS4, <laughs> PS4 starts talking to me. I mean, the reality of Yeah, I, I, I do admit. I don't know. I got to look at my soul. Yeah. This idea of the the droids as uh, as as people too freaks me out a bit. That's why I don't watch Westworld. Oh, <laughs> oh, I love it. I haven't gotten to this part in the book yet. I'm excited because I love, I've always loved R2. Yeah. We have BB-8s everywhere in my house. My daughter loves BB-8. There is something about these droids that I find to be so precious. Yeah. Even when Kira sees the, the janitor droid kind of just doing his little job with his little brushes. Little and rat oh yeah, yeah, the rat catcher droid. I love yeah. that. You know, I can get, I I believe in droid equality. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not don't agree with that. I'm just like, <laughs> it freaks me out a little bit. And when I hear Tool say it about at the end, ah, we don't really care about organics. We'll kill, kill, kill. I'm like, fight, fight them, fight them. Oh, yeah, that's bad. T2. Yeah. Uh, Here's the thing, and I won't go off in a whole separate tangent. I feel like what the story that is being told in Star Wars is that they are inarguably sentient. Mm-hmm. Their programming develops. Right. They develop personality. Right. In total honesty, I got super mad at my phone the other day because it wouldn't <laughs> load the Twitter drafts folder. And I hit it, and I was like, I should never do that again. I hit my phone. I got, But I was just having a frustrating day, and I got mad. I think in the real world right now, our technology pretends to have a personality right. in a way that is so obviously not quite real mm-hmm. that it's frustrating because like come on you're yeah i feel like the whole world has turned into clippy all of our technology is like clippy like you don't really get that i'm, I'm not trying to write a letter but you think i am and you think this is really friendly and fun but it's not no. if the droids are okay. like that frustrating. frustrating but in star wars they're true they truly have personalities. I yeah. do. I do like this idea that you're saying that. All right, they've they've been programmed, but now they've gone beyond their programming. Yeah. Okay. And then some of them yeah. want equal rights, and some of them want to just murder us. And I actually right. really like that Tool is on this. Yeah. On, uh, kind of walking that line where Han's like, I ah, he's a good guy. Oh, he, he maybe does want to murder lots of people. Uh, all right. Oh. Keep that in mind. Uh, I think about my my iPhone. I mean, it, it now can write, write Wookiee. It changes every P word to Porg. Like, <laughs> my phone is learned, and I appreciate that. It's a good little phone. Yes, it has learned. It has learned. <laughs> it, it changes every P word to Porg? It, no, I'm not kidding. Wow. Those it's are gotten out sentences. of hand. It's gotten out of hand. Wow. Oh. Someone, someone's been typing that word Porg a lot. A there. lot. <laughs> oh. What is but the anyways. available Porg? What? <laughs> anyway, well, this book do- took a dive into the droid equality and the droids, uh, and the droid gotcha are very interesting, though, to me. Yeah. I mean, this kind of, uh, you know, Cylon-like uh, droid syndicate, crime syndicate out there is interesting. To yeah. Me. And they've popped up in other areas in Star Wars, uh, in the novels, the Tarkin novel, there's some mm. other, the comics, yeah. they're starting to, you're going to be hearing more of these. Mentioned in Last yeah. Shot. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. That's right, that's right. Absolutely. So the big questions. We've talked a lot. We've rambled here and there. I've talk, t- told you all that I hate droids. <laughs> um, 
this how does this relate to solo star wars story and how did it change and how does it change the way we see the movie joseph yeah to me it really enhances the movie i think uh if you're having a hard time uh with cure's character i think it unlocks the character mm-hmm. uh and i think it just really really uh helps remind you that this is han, the han that we know mm-hmm. uh, through return of the jedi through force awakens but also a younger guy who's still learning and still growing and introduces like some super cool ideas about Han. There's that, um, about his luck. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot about him being an improviser, right? And following yes. his gut. Mm-hmm. But I thought one of those really great details was a, a big T talks mm-hmm. about some philosopher he read who thought luck was finite. Yeah. And I think that's just so fascinating of like, is that an aspect of the force? Right. Is that not, you know, in, you know, is Han's luck ever going to run out? And is there some, you know, right. Is that just a part of who he is? And does it? Yeah. yeah. So I, so I think he gives you lots uh, to think about with Han mm-hmm. really unlocks Kira really makes you totally understand the situation of Corellia and the white worms and all those things. Yeah. It does for me a lot. What rebel rising did for me in rogue one after, cause mm. I, you know, I read rebel rising after and you go back and some layers are there and that's not a bad thing uh, about the movie. I think movies have to be written in certain ways. There there's the scripts. It's almost this, not even a science. It's just a, it's a formula sometimes, and that's a bad, dirty word. But you you know, it, there's a lot going into movies, and I love that these books, and particularly most wanted, can go back and maybe help you answer some of the questions you have. Some of the little points in the movie that you're like, well, why did that happen? Who thought that? Um, you know, Ray Carson's done such a great job of filling in the blanks for this story. Where Last Shot did, did a good job setting up some of the stuff that we knew we'd eventually see, you know, it, it, it's there. I think this one really, really makes me just appreciate the character of Kira even more, but that also cements the, some of the big, iconic parts of Han Solo. You see yeah. where it came from. You see where that character is. And what you said, Joseph, it's consistent with the Han we know Yeah, from 77 uh, to now. Yeah, I mean that that instinct to kindness that we that is so highlighted mm-hmm. of like I'm gonna make a friend of everybody. I'm gonna really see things through other people's eyes. Like that's how he sees Ray. You yes. know, it's really powerful. Absolutely, Jennifer. Yeah, for me, it really deepens. I love Solo, and I I it's a mm-hmm. fun popcorn movie, and I can just sit back and enjoy it at any time. But this really gives a richness to the characters. I felt like all I got a lot from Alden on screen, but I feel like with with Kira, especially here, just getting some more of that inside and the specificity was really enjoyable so and also getting to see more about the Corellian underworld because mm-hmm. we got just a little, we got a little bit of it but it was neat to well, as if I am not that far in the book but <laughs> what I've gotten so far it's really great to yeah. to see the sights and you know uh, imagine the smells and it's yeah <laughs> so the final question uh we'll, we'll we'll talk about this any other little details that we're leaving off the table here then we'll answer the big final question i, I do have one thing that i yeah. wanted, wanted to bring up in particular because it's a a, a trap of star wars storytelling of ah. how much mystery do we want to leave mm. i think right. my favorite scene is uh han and kira are starting to get a little closer and they both poke at each other's backgrounds yeah uh, han wants to know more about what the silo was and right. I know Lady Proxima has that line of we pulled you out of the silo. In the book, intimates that it was horrible. Even, I think, dances towards, like, you know, uh, really horrible abuse. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The kind of thing that, you know, it's I think it's fine if Star Wars points to it, but yeah. you don't want to spend a lot of time there. And, and Kira's got that great guarded, like, I don't really want to talk about it. And then she grills Han on his family. Family, yeah. And in that great uh, certain point of view way, he tells 
two different stories about his dad mm-hmm. and then won't confirm whether either of them are true. One, yeah. One's blatantly a lie. Yeah. And another almost sounds like a fantasy that Han might have. Mm-hmm. And I just love it because it's just much more about his dad as this sort of um, figure of failure who is beaten by the system, but there's still something honorable honorable about him because he was yeah. a person, a man of Corellia, and that Han clearly values that, that. his heritage on Corellia, never truly going to tell you about your father. And then they come to this great comfort of it's okay to say there are things that I don't want to talk about, which I just thought was such an elegant way to show both of their characters Mm -hmm. and to dance around the, this is a young Han Solo novel. And a lot of Star Wars fans were like, I don't want a young Han Solo novel. I don't want a scene of him being birthed. I don't want a scene where he's five and his dad gives him a space sucker. I don't want to take the (laughs) mystique away from Han Solo. And this was such a beautiful, elegant way to hint at these ideas mm-hmm. and then say, yep, there's a part of Star Wars that should still be mysterious. Yeah, I like that there. Any, any notes there from you, Jennifer? No, no, I can't wait to finish it. it yeah, for <laughs> me, the final thought is, is it, did su- it did such a good job of taking these two characters. Before this story, they kind of like, not like, definitely not like, but they're stuck here in this world. Yeah. They're fine. They want to go back to it. They want this promotion inside their white worms. And then all this stuff happens to them. And then they see the galaxy. They see it at larger scale. They see the stars. They see what they're capable of. And they're changed forever. Yeah. And that's where we pick up in Solo is they've gone beyond. They want out for a lot of reasons. Not just escape, but a lo- destiny careers, aspirations, yeah. <laughs> love, all of it. They are forever changed by these events. And that was really clear. So that leads to the final big question. Should this book have come out well in advance of the movie? Like Catalyst, that is always the standard bearer. I watched Rogue One having read Catalyst and felt I had a leg up. Yeah, I, yep. I can't yeah. deny that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should this one have come out before? Did it need to? Is it all is it all just part of a bigger picture? Yeah. Uh, I'm a little torn because it so creates this uh, great rhythm and energy of these characters uh, in show, so establishes the white worms. I think there might have been a, uh, a feeling of, oh, I want to see more of that world. And it's only the first, like, seven minutes of the movie. Yeah. And then this specific, like, it, it tells us more about their characters, and I think it would have unlocked mm-hmm. more about who these characters are. Um, mm. But I think it might have been good if it had come out a little bit earlier. I think in general, I'm just leaning towards everything should have come out earlier, earlier. to make make a solo feel like more of an event <laughs> and just wet people's appetite more. So I think I ultimately come down on the side of that. Yeah, Jennifer? I would have loved if this, if this had come out earlier. Getting mm. to see their relationship, the, the earlier parts of the relationship where they don't really necessarily like each other, but then how they come together. That's what I, that's what I would have liked to have going in so that we get, we get in that land speeder and we take off. And I've already got the backstory filled in. Yeah. Because that was part of my thing when I was first watching it where I was like, mm. okay, wait, oh, what's going on? Let me see the chemistry. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like analyzing it. But it would have been kind of fun to just have been like already caught up to speed and just, you know, get on board for this ride. Absolutely. I think in the end, I'm, I'm, I, I, w- I would say to, like you both, come out before, have this book come out before, last shot a little bit even more, like a little bit more promotion for what it means because then some of the questions would have already been answered. Yep. The only concern I have, this book, if, if you, I think maybe because I read it after the movie, I, it, I, I could have I could have predicted more in the movie. Mm. Yeah, and I would, that's true. And, and the movie already true. does suffer a little bit. When I say suffer, I put quotes around it. Um, of yeah, you can see some of the turns coming. This one kind of you're like, oh, you kind of get into it. But I I would have sacrificed that for the depth to Kira specifically, but also Han as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
So that is our look at Most Wanted by Ray Carson. We highly recommend it here. You can get uh, the audiobook for free if you sign up at audibletrial.com slash center, or just go pick it up if you're if you're like me. You love those hard copies. You love it in your hand with a with a nice uh, Sunday afternoon reading app, as I like to do. <laughs> Uh, so that is out now. Uh, uh, just, you know, congratulations to Ray Carson. I think I'm writing a really good book here in the Star Wars canon. So as we do, before we leave on the supersized edition of Force Center, we're going to take some audience questions. That's right. We have from, uh, we take always from Twitter and Facebook in general, and also from our patrons on Patreon. So starting on, I believe this was from Twitter, Merrick Jackson Jenkins says, was anyone else hoping that the location for the final Sabacc game uh, to be in Maz's castle, or would that make everything too connected? Speaking, of course, of Solo. Mm. Solo. So if Han had been like, I'm going to go find Lando, and it's at Maz's castle, Jennifer, how would you feel about that? I would have loved it. <laughs> that thought didn't cross my mind, but I would have absolutely loved it, especially because we see, you know, Han's relationship with Maz even more in Last Shot. Yeah. I don't think it would have made things too connected. I think some fans might have felt that, but I would have loved it. Mm-hmm. Ken? I, I don't, I would have been okay with it. <laughs> in the sense of, if it popped up, I would have been like, oh, that's great, but yeah. I didn't miss it. And yes. I love I love Margaritaville Lando, so I yeah. want more of that there. I was a little surprised just Maz in general didn't have anything to do in Solo, but, I, you know, that's also, uh, I don't think it ever is going to be that connected. So, uh, right. I don't know, maybe it will, but I don't know. So, in, in the end, no, I'm happy with what we got. Yeah, I would have loved to see Maz more. I hope to see uh, more of Maz, uh, but I kind of liked, it. I, has it been confirmed that that's his moon that he's talking about in the oh, yeah, we have- Ossian uh, belt? I think. Don't. Uh, it's a good question. Right now, I lean towards yes. Pretty yeah. implied. So yeah. I, I kind of like the story that Lando knows that he just ditched a lot of dangerous people and left them there to be, from his perspective, killed by Enfys Nest. Right. And he's hiding out on his uh, money pit moon, <laughs> trying to have a good time. And that Han tracked him there. Yeah. I, I like that story. Mm. Uh, next up, we have from Tim Harrison at T E H A R R I on Twitter. What would the prequels have looked like if they were shot in the 80s right after <laughs> Return of the Jedi? Who would you cast? I apologize for just taking this for just a quick question when it should be an entire episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe we might we'll, have to come back to oh it. Maybe revisit goodness. it. But yeah. did, did, you, uh, did either of you have a chance to, uh, to I, 80s cast the prequels in your minds? A little bit. A little bit. Some of yeah. them. I, I, the, the, the interesting thing is, really interesting thing to me, there's two interesting parts of the question, is what they would look like yeah. if these movies came out in uh, 88. Oh my goodness. Because each, each era of movie making has its own feel and look. Yeah. Okay. Now, Star Wars, the original trilogy, I think one of the successes of it is it. It, the hairstyles notwithstanding it kind of looks timeless in its own way like mm-hmm. uh, yes you know it's filmed there uh, but filmed in, in in the late 70s early 80s but you know it's it still looks a little different than say Flash Gordon yeah. shot it at the same time so but I I don't know if you could have escaped that in the late 80s I think it would have looked definitely wouldn't look as been as technologically advanced yeah if you look some of the special effects from the movies around that time George would have had some of the same frustrations. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, certainly Jar Jar would have looked different. Yes. Yeah, Jar Jar would have been a large person in a suit. Uh, <laughs> I think it would have been like Robin Williams in a suit. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Robin Williams is Jar Jar Binks. Controversial, yeah. but intriguing. <laughs> yeah. Intriguing, I we'll like change it. Uh, some of the voice there. Yeah. yeah. Jennifer, do you have some casting? Well, I would say like Ali Sheedy would be some sort of Ooh. like a Sith. Um, <laughs> Matthew Broderick would make an appearance, kind of like a Luke Skywalker I, type. I, 
think, oh, interesting. I think Matthew Broderick uh, would be a great choice there. Right? And yeah. then, like, maybe John Cusack, Molly Ringwald. Just bring the whole Oh, race. nice. I was thinking Phoebe <laughs> Cates as yeah. uh, Padme. Oh, I oh, like interesting. that. Interesting. She'd yeah. be a, a little bit older. Right? Yeah. If this was in the late 80s. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I had some I had some writing to do that Kevin I didn't want to do, so I spent so way you, too much time thinking about this because I tried to Google what they would actually look like oh, at that exact awesome. age. Oh. That's awesome. Yeah, so he, here's my... my uh, I want uh, Sean Bean as Obi-Wan. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. Young Sean Bean. Uh, Anakin, this is the really controversial one, mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. Okay, yeah, that would have worked. Oh. Troubled, dark. Yep. Like it. Yep. Can play it. Uh, charming. Yep. And then Padme was definitely the, the most difficult. Mm-hmm. Like Molly Ringwald, I think, could do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe Ali Sheedy, but I think uh, Winona Ryder would be the best Padme. I oh, love Winona. I forgot yeah, about she that. She was one of my choices, too. Okay. I love her. Yeah. Uh, I like that. Qui-Gon is Timothy Dalton. <laughs> And then the last one I did is Christopher Lee is still Count Dooku. Yeah, okay. yeah absolutely. <laughs> would have been more active. Yeah, I thought, yeah. Either. And any yeah. Ian McDiarmid would have been the Emperor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Frank Oz is Yoda. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't go any farther than that because I started to feel guilty. Yeah, about the amount of time I was taking. Yeah, <laughs> Tim, did you have any? Question. You said Jennifer. You said you were thinking about other ones. Do you have any other? No, no. I mean, you could just the, the possibilities are endless. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Who would play Mace Windu? Well, whoever uh, just demanded, I want to be a Jedi, yeah. right? So, like, right. would Matthew Broderick just be like, I want to be a Jedi? I'm like, sure, you're on sure, the council. The right, Matthew Broderick. Right. <laughs> I, well, I'd be like I, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Denzel Washington. Sam Jackson could have still do it. Oh, yeah. He oh, could. Yeah. 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 Sure. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, great question. Uh, we'll maybe revisit. Going on to Patreon, our patron, uh, Dark Lord Jeff Not Emma, says, Do you think we will ever get a Star Wars feature film with an alien as the main character rather than an ensemble or support role? Sure, we all want an Ahsoka film, but how likely do you think it is? Changing by the minute. Uh, also, let's say it's not an Ahsoka movie. What would you like to see? Greedo Begins, a Bib Fortuna, mm-hmm. Devil Wears Prada style movie, Jar Jar slash Citizen Kane. Uh, so, yeah, this is a thing we talk about a lot yeah. uh, of uh, people wanting to see an alien leader uh, standalone. Yeah. yeah. First of all, I want to see Bib Fortuna, Devil Wears Prada movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <for sure. laughs> I love that movie. I don't think, no, I don't think we'll ever get it. I, I, I don't think we'll ever get it. Sorry, yeah. it sounds, it sounds like going back to the droids. Just because it's simple. Uh, movie marketing. I, I, I think it would be tough. I think yeah. it would be tough. I think I think it's just the way the way it works. Um, Gollum is always going to be on the side, and it's always going to be about Elijah Wood. Fro- you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. It's just tough. What I you know Disney Disney streaming service. Let's give it a try. Yeah, because I, I I know a lot of people want that, and there's there's so many wonderful characters and potential new characters. That yeah, you can create. Yeah, Ahsoka being the, the probably the most. One, the one that makes most sense to me, just you could market the character, right? And you have an emotive face. You have to, you have to go to the Gene right. Roddenberry school of no aliens features can cover the human features. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? you got to go face. all weird eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer, how do you feel? I think it'll always be like they'll be part of an ensemble. I mm-hmm. think there's a way it's going to be. Also, because like from a practical perspective, are they going to use a rubber mask? Are they going to do CGI? Like, uh, what are they going to do? It's right. it's a lot of work and a lot of money. So they're mm-hmm. going to have a <laughs> just a straight up actor. Yeah. In the in the lead role, because like Rogue One, like I, if you had thrown in, uh, you know, like like Zeb and, and Rebels, if you had thrown an alien into the main core, mm-hmm. you know, not just K two S O, yeah, yeah, that would have totally worked within the Star Wars world, right? But then, you know, 
Like Rio. Rio. It makes sense. Yeah, Rio's an exa- Rio's Rio's example. Rio's great. Very yeah. emotive. But a real yeah. movie? Not going to mm. happen. I think we should, damn it. I yeah. think that Star Wars is... I've loved everything they've released, but I think it's due out for more experimentation. Mm-hmm. You absolutely, uh, Gene Roddenberry came up with a lot of great things. He came up with a lot of dumb things, in my right. opinion. You can absolutely do a great emotive movie mm-hmm. with uh, someone with no human features. There's plenty of other ways to communicate emotion uh, and i think they should that's yeah. my strong opinion i i you know you're not go, you're not wrong there you're not wrong <laughs> okay. indeed you're not wrong indeed our final question comes from patron alden diaz alden says i think that one of the most important things in fandom is being open to unexpected and even undesirable inclusions changes and additions so what's the thing in star wars that had you saying nope don't like that i'm good that you now really like for me, it's probably Ahsoka. I never hated her, but I remember being very unsure about an apprentice that we somehow never heard about in episode three, but now she's an all-time favorite of mine. It's also a great question. Mm-hmm. I just don't think I should answer this one today because I'm on a bad roll. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no. Uh, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think Ahsoka actually might be my answer. I was oh, wow. really... Really unsure of that one, too. Mm-hmm. Like, what? No, there's no way this happened. There's a lot of things in the comics I haven't wrapped my head around yet, but but that 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 was one of them. It's like, that, you can't tell me when Sith starts that Anakin's got a Padawan in his back pocket that he's worried about yeah. or not thinking about. I, 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 had to, I had to really come to terms with that one. Yeah, I think a lot of, a yeah, lot of did. people did. Uh, Jennifer, do you have any? Yeah, there's one with the special editions that only now, after all these years, am I actually like, you know, I don't mind it. Victory Celebration. I love the Yub Nub song, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. in going back now and watching the film, I think Victory Celebration is a is a great choice. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit more fitting with the times and the way that, you know, uh, contemporary audiences watch films. I think Yub Nub would have taken moviegoers out of it. Mm-hmm. Although I still love it. I'll never <laughs> get over Lapty Neck, though. Yeah, I love it. Never. Lapty Neck. No, come on. That's yeah. Lapty Neck is, uh, that, that is perhaps one of the most controversial moments in all <laughs> yeah. of Star Wars, understandably so. Yeah, yeah I think uh, the first time, not, e- not only the song, but also the addition of the other planets. Uh, I think I was mm-hmm. at first like, and now I love that with all my heart to see that this affected the whole galaxy. The whole galaxy yeah. is celebrating. I'll also just go modern and say uh, when uh, uh, there was the, it was Bob Iger who said, you're going to learn how Han Solo got his name. Oh, yeah. We're all like, no, right? He no. Mean, he's yeah. misspeaking. He means his reputation. And I know this is also controversial. Yeah. They did the Star Wars counseling on it, but I really love that scene. I think it really works and I think it enriches the character. Me I'm too. right there with you on that too. That's a great example as well. Uh, great example as well. You know, even the first order like just this the yes. empire part two it's like ooh, okay we're just doing that and then to, to have it make sense tied to modern times and just or the course of history where mm-hmm. uh you know evil repeats itself and, yep. and other people want to try to reprove on the evil before them in a way in a weird way i i, I really came to like that a lot actually. yeah that's a great example as well great mm-hmm. questions everyone thank you for all the the really meaty questions absolutely we appreciate it and you guys can reach out with us with your questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Force Center Pod, Facebook pages Force Center Podcast, website, and this is key, forcecenterpod.podomatic.net. If you're having trouble listening to us, you can always go there and get the episodes uh, until the website goes down. But it's not. It's been great. It's been holding steady. <laughs> holding steady. It's been a trying week over here. Uh, merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Podcast is available on Podomatic, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn. Yes, we're aware of the pod, uh, problems, including Spotify. They are being worked on. So that is it. But don't forget the Patreon page. That's right. You can go to patreon.com.
com slash Force Center. Uh, we're going to be doing that commentary for The Last Jedi soon, and we are building towards unlocking commentary for all the movies. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube, where we have uh, a couple of fun videos, and, of course, we have our databank crawl episodes up there. Absolutely. So uh, before we check on out, here's where you can find us and our our personal adventures, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. You can follow me on all the social media sites at Jennifer Landa, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Jennifer Landa, and check out my latest Happy Beeps episode where I talk about our relationship with Star Wars creators, fans' relationships with Star Wars creators and actors, and how that relationship has changed for better or worse. Mm, so good. So Mr. good. Mr. Scrimshaw. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com, to check out various adventures, uh, comedy albums, uh, my obsessed podcast, and live shows. In particular, if you're going to be at the convention Convergence in Minnesota the 4th of July weekend, I'll be doing a brand new stand-up comedy show there called Reality Strikes Back, uh, and I'll be doing a live obsessed and a Star Wars comedy quiz. Ooh, I love your Star Wars comedy quizzes. You can follow me at CatNapsack. That includes Twitch and the Knapsack Files in the afternoons with Josh and Ken. So that is it. We hope you all enjoyed this long, deep dive into Most Wanted, what it means, what it means to the characters. I really love this book. So for Joseph, for Jennifer, for Kira, for Han, and Big T, their Rodian friend. <laughs> we'll see you next time. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey guys, welcome to Giggly Squad, a place where we make fun of everything, but most importantly, ourselves. I'm Paige DeSorbo. I'm Hannah Burner. Welcome to the squad. Giggly Squad started on Summer House when we were giggling during an inappropriate time. But of course, we can't be managed. So we decided to start this podcast to continue giggling. We will make fun of pop culture news. We're watching fashion trends, pep talks where we give advice, mental health moments, and games and guests. Listen to Giggly Squad on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> <laughs>